Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast. Today we look at Mary Noss of the Problem, brought to you by Michael Miller. Go ahead and listen. We hope you enjoy. Love you. Lord, will your word be living and active today? I pray that you touch our hearts, continue to open um, our eyes to see what you're doing in our midst. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Um, well, I wanted to just continue where we left off last week. Last week we talked about the plan of redemption. And uh, I'm going to reiterate a lot of those things uh, to you again this morning. I think it was uh, such a foundational concept for where I want to take us as a community this year. Uh, I'm not going to get off the word Maranatha. I'm going to keep squeezing that. Uh, I think there is a lot of revelation and uh, a lot of faith uh, for us to receive from this word And uh, I'm growing in communicating what I sense the Lord doing through this message, but it is so deep inside of me. I am, you know, it's it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search it out. And I feel in many ways we're searching out the heart of God around this theme for what he's speaking to us as a house. But I also uh, see the effects of that uh, beyond just this house. Uh, I see the Lord orchestrating something in our nation and in the nations, uh, preparing us for a coming move of God. Upper room? I'm going to say that again. I feel that the Lord is orchestrating something, not just in this room, but beyond this room, not just in our nation, but in the nations for a coming move of God. Thank you. Now I'm going to say one more time. I feel like God is orchestrating not only something in this room, but something outside of this room, not just within our nation, but within the nations. And it's a coming move of God. Thank you. There we go. I, I, I truly believe that. Uh, I, 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 I genuinely do. And I think it is around this word, uh, Maranatha. Maranatha is uh, it's simple, simple enough for my five-year-old to comprehend, but, but it is profound enough that we can find it from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. And uh, he will shake all that can be shaken. And we as people need to be rooted and grounded Uh, In love, yes, but rooted and grounded in truth and rooted and grounded uh, around the biblical narrative because the Bible has a lot to say about the cultural narrative right now. And we just talked about that. The Bible has a lot to inform us about the race issue. Uh, But we, um, we want to give you framework to view the days ahead. And I think the days ahead are going to be great and they're going to be terrible. They're going to be glorious but they're also going to be gory. (laughs) They're going to be uh, highs and there's going to be lows. And I think the Maranatha theme tethers us to God's heart and God's purposes for the days ahead. And so um, I last week unpacked just a, a covenant that God made with God. And, and in order to understand the, the, the Maranatha message and the Maranatha uh, mandate and vision, I think you have to understand um, God and, and, and why we exist and what uh, creation was founded upon. There was a foundational covenant that God made with himself. And we defined covenant last week as this. I, I wrote it down for us. A covenant is an unchangeable, divinely imposed legal agreement between God 
and man that stipulates the condition of their relationship. And so it is how God relates to us. That's what a covenant is. The covenant of works, which came through the tree and ultimately the law was, hey, if you do your part, I'll do mine. Right? Covenant of works. Hey, here's one work that I want you, Adam and Eve, to do. Don't eat from the tree. Just one stipulation for you to be in relationship with me. That was a covenant of works. Now, it didn't work out well because they didn't uphold their end of the bargain. Uh, but then there's another way that God relates to us as people. Only two ways. Covenant of works is one, you, you trust your work to get to me. You do your part to get to me. Or there's the covenant of grace, which is where we actually just trust his work. Covenant of works, it's written on the law. The law says this, you shall, you shall what? (laughs) You shall not, or you shall, it's all about you doing. But the covenant of grace is centered upon, I think it's in Hebrews 10, where he says, I will write the law upon your heart. I will make an everlasting covenant. It's initiated by God to us. Covenant of works covenant of grace, but both of those covenants are founded on a covenant that God made with God. And this is called the covenant of redemption. And this one is really, really, really important for you to understand not only where we've been, meaning where we've been uh, biblically, the biblical narrative, uh, what the patriarchs of old, this established them. This is the way God related to them. This is the way God related to Noah, God related to Abraham, God related to Moses, God related to David. It was all based upon this foundational way God chose to relate to God. And if you don't understand that, then, then, then you'll have a really hard time understanding God when life throws a curveball at you. If this understanding about what he's already chosen to do as the triune God, the agreement that he's made. If you don't have this rooted in your heart, then when life starts to go wonky and throw curveballs at you, you're going to start questioning the nature, characteristic, and plan of God. But God's plan is to redeem. Who? You, me, us. What? Creation itself. There's a redemptive plan at play. And so I want to, I want to, again, take us back into uh, the creation account um, and show you where the promise of redemption is found. It's in one verse uh, after the fall. And, um, and then we're, we're going to go watch the Cowboys beat the 49ers. I, I was earlier, I, I, I saw my brother's from California. He's visiting. We're really glad you're here. Uh, but I was like, I went up to him and I was like, man, I was feeling the Holy Spirit was being grieved. Where, what was the blockage? And then I saw your San Francisco 49er shirt. But I'm just kidding, my man. We're glad you're here, bro. We're really glad you're here. Uh, we're one new man in Christ. So, um, but, uh, uh, so the covenant of redemption is this. I, can I get uh, just three people really quickly? Kevin, Reward, Skylar, would y'all come up here? So Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Father, Son, Holy Ghost right here. Uh, well, re- Reward, I don't know. You guys figure, 
Father, Son, Spirit. You gotta be a spirit. Okay, so the Father, Son, Spirit, Spirit over here. <laughs> spirit right here. Okay, here we go. So before anything existed, again, just review from last week. Before anything existed, these three were. They were in perfect harmony, perfect unity. They lacked nothing. Like the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we read scriptures about like before the foundation of the world, you were chosen to be holy and blameless. Revelation 13 says, um, the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2 talks about a wisdom before the ages. And, and, and it's, it's talking about this realm right here, God with God. And God made a covenant with God. And the covenant was a covenant of redemption. Before he said, let there be light, there was a plan in place to redeem creation itself. And so the father initiated that plan, the son executed that plan, and the Holy Spirit applies and empowers that plan of redemption. And so these three got together, you know the holy huddle, just like this, all right? This before anything existed. And they were, they were in such harmony and such unity. And I believe there was a zeal and excitement about the glory of this relationship being revealed to mankind. That, you guys all right? Focus, guys. Jesus. Oh my goodness. Okay. So, our, our holy huddle needs to be redeemed. <laughs> um, so it's this, it's, it's, it's God the Father agreed to give the Son a people whom he would redeem, uh, to send a Son to be their representation. Uh, Hebrews 10.5 says, uh, a, a body you prepared for me. Who prepared the body? The Father prepared the body for the Son. Um, the Son uh, agreed to become a man, to be our representative, to obey the demands of the covenant of works, to pay the penalty of sin, which we deserve. And then the Holy Spirit agreed to fill the son, empower him to carry out the ministry, to apply all of Christ's benefits uh, and redemptive work to us as believers. So this was so foundational because here, here's why it is. When you come into relationship with God, give me the huddle. This is how God relates to you. God relates to you in the circle. God relates to you. When you look to him, he looks to the agreement he's made with himself that you've been brought into. What's the agreement? The agreement is redemption. He's regaining a possession that he lost. Revelation, thir- uh, Revelation 5 says that he purchased men with his very own blood. That, that purchase, that transaction was an action of redemption because he restored lost value to who? To you and to me. Why? For his glory. And this is how he relates to you. That when life throws you a curveball, God has determined to bring redemption to that. It's how he relates to us. Can y'all do the holy huddle one time before you go down? See, there's synergy, momentum, there's power. Oh my goodness. 
There's... You are super white. I heard you say that. Did you say that? Go sit down. Go sit down. All right. We'll have to practice that. So a covenant, a covenant, it's a divinely imposed agreement that God could make with us, but we need to see that God imposed that agreement upon himself, that they, it, was, it was founded on him saying, let there be light. When he said, let there be light, it was out of covenant that he had made with himself. From covenant, God chose to create. And, and it's, it's vital for where we're heading. The Maranatha message is found in that because, because creation would fall. Man would fall. Satan fell. And, and what happened is the original intent, the original order, the original purpose and plan of God, which centers upon redemption, like that's the ultimate plan, but it goes wonky. And we end, out, we end up outside of his authority, jurisdiction, and we're under the authority and jurisdiction of an enemy of his. And that's Genesis 3. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Genesis 3. I want to I hone in on one verse this morning in nine minutes. Uh, I want to hone in just on one verse. Again, I, I, I want to look at the different covenants throughout the Old Testament, ultimately looking at the new covenant that we have in the Lord. But God is not a liar. So when God makes a promise, he will fulfill it. And so the, the redemptive plan is, is a plan that, that is still unfolding today. It's still unfolding right now. Like the Holy Spirit was given as a pledge, as a deposit. You and I are betrothed to Christ, but one day we will be married. Uh, one of the studies that I wanna do in the course of this year is to look at the great untils in scripture. What are the great untils? That redemption's plan will not be fulfilled until. And there are untils in the future that have not happened. And it is because of the work of salvation. The work of salvation is, is complete. Like when Jesus hung on the cross, he says, it is finished. He was speaking of the work of salvation. But the plan of redemption from the work of salvation is still playing out. And it involves you and me. It involves the church. There are promises for the church. There's, there's as we gain understanding, there's a partnership with the church in that plan of redemption. It involves Israel. It involves the ethical, like, national understanding of Israel before God's eyes. It involves land. Why? Because God made covenant, and that covenant was based on the covenant of redemption he made with himself. But those things will be redeemed and restored. And so when we talk about Israel, it's not just this, this, this you know, weird sect of Christianity that we've gotten into. I think it's at the core of the gospel and the plan of redemption involving them. And so I wanna take us though, that, that high level gives us understanding when we get into some of the nitty gritties of like next week, we're gonna look at the covenant that God made with Abraham. We're gonna look at the Mosaic covenant. We're gonna look at the Davidic covenant, which is one of those that just go. But all of this points to the future. 
Many times you gotta look to the past in order to understand the future. You gotta see what was in order to see what will be. And so this covenant of redemption is so, so, so vital for you to understand where God's taking this thing. It's onto something. And so, uh, and, and that Maranatha cry, it roots us in what was in order to establish what will be in the midst of what is. That's what Maranatha means. He came, he's coming, so come. Uh, the follow man. So this is, <clears throat> this is Genesis chapter uh, three, verse 15 is what I wanna focus on, but I'll get us there through just reading the account. Now the serpent was more crafty than uh, any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. So uh, the introduction of the serpent is the introduction of uh, Satan. And Satan means uh, adversary. Um, There's many names Satan has uh, for himself. Um, Satan means adversary. He's also known as the day star, which is Lucifer. Uh, He's the devil, which means slander, enemy, murder, father of lies, tempter. and this serpent, it's, it's, it's a literal snake, but it's also literally Satan. It's not figuratively. And so you got this serpent, uh, crafty than any beast in the field. He said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden... God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. That's the one agreement they had. So the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight in the eye and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. She gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Then, it's a big then. <laughs> the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called out to the man and said to him, where are you? The man said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman... (laughs) going to call all men to repentance. Just kidding. <laughs> the woman whom you gave to be with me. So not only is it her fault, but it's your fault. She gave me from the tree and I ate. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is it that you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. Now, I want you to see that sin didn't come through the serpent. Sin came through the decision that Eve made. The serpent influenced that decision. The serpent tempted her. But sin came through 
the decision that the woman made. And so the Lord responds in three ways. Uh, he, he releases the ramifications of this decision three ways. And this is the curse that they would live under. The first was to the serpent, the second was to the woman, and the third was to the man. And uh, this is the fall of man. This is um, the problem that exists today. And I, I don't know about you, uh, but, but sometimes I feel a little <clears throat> removed with how significant this problem is. Uh, there's moments that I get glimpses of it as a pastor, especially when I come into some of your lives and you can see either decisions you've made or things that have happened. Um, I can think in the last 12 months, we've, we've, we've dealt with uh, the issue of murder. Um, we've dealt with uh, suicides, dealt with um, tragic uh, sudden deaths through car accidents, diagnosis. Um, when, I, when I think of the fall of man, I think about what uh, Yako Boyens does and, and with uh, trafficking. He works uh, with the authorities in our land and abroad. He's one of the, the, the leading voices and experts on child trafficking specifically. I've been on the golf course where he's got calls from authorities in the DFW Metroplex where a teenager was abducted and it's got to get on it very quickly or they will be uh, trafficked within hours. And we began praying and the intensity of it. Um, you know, I have a, a friend that, that's an oncologist. I, I think these, these things are reminders that, that something isn't right. Something is off. In the divine plan and the divine order that God established for us to live in, sin and the curse of sin, things go wrong. In fact, if someone was defining a curse, I heard this definition of a curse. Anything that can go wrong will. If you're under curse, anything that will go wrong will. But that's interesting. And, and at this point, because of the fall, mankind is cursed. And, and so God is gonna, God is gonna, he's gonna curse the serpent first. The Lord said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you more than all the cattle, more than every, uh, every beast of the field. On your belly will you go dust you will eat all the days of your life. Um, I'm going to skip 15 because 15 is the, the, such a nugget. 16 says this, to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain, you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Then to Adam, he said, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten the tree, which I commanded you saying, you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. So, so the literal ground is cursed. In toil or in sorrow, you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles shall grow for you. You will eat uh, plants of the field by the sweat of your face. You will eat bread till you return to the ground because from it you were taken for your dust and you will return to dust. Um, uh, th there is, the plan of redemption has, has, has touched this curse. Um, where we're heading in, in Galatians chapter three, it says, cursed is anything that hangs on a tree, yeah. right? And Jesus was hung on a what? Adam and Eve ate from a what? So 
Jesus hung from the source that brought that decision to them, which is profound. So we're gonna look to Jesus, but sometimes as believers, we need to see the problem that the cross addresses. And it's the fallenness, the brokenness, the frailty of our condition. Mankind is broke. Mankind is sick. Mankind has a problem. And and the plan of redemption, though, what's so beautiful is that God had a plan for that brokenness, for the disease, for the, the sickness that ensued, for the death, the spiritual death that happened when she put that fruit to her lips. And the plan is found in verse 15, Genesis 3, 15. In order to understand the holy huddle, the covenant of redemption that God made with God, we have to understand Genesis 3, 15. Genesis 3, 15 will not be fulfilled till the come Lord Jesus, yes and amen, in Revelation 22. What is the plan of redemption? Listen to this. I will put enmity. What does enmity mean? You see the word, sometimes that's a hard one to, to really grasp, but it, in the Latin, it's where we get the root word enemy. So I will put enmity or hostility, or I will, I will make you enemies. Who? The serpent and the woman. He's cursing the serpent. He's saying you and the woman will be enemies. And between your seed and her seed. So what is this speaking to? This is speaking to, could be a couple of things. Like just if you're reading Genesis 3 and hearing the Lord, you could interpret it a couple of ways. You could interpret it as a seed, meaning descendants, a group of people, or a descendant, one. But your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, which is a fatal death blow. You shall bruise him on the heel. What, what is significant about this verse? What's significant about this verse is this is the plan of redemption showing up at the fall. This is, this is, this is the gospel in a verse, but it's in seed form. But, but from the Lord's eyes, that seed is an oak tree. That seed, that seed that seed is a tree of life. That, that seed is incorruptible. That seed, whoo, God's pot committed fully to the power of that seed that's going to play out through the lineage and the descendants of Eve. And Satan throws all that he can at it. And we're going to see that throughout the covenants that he makes. But the covenant of redemption, this is, this is the first fruits mention of it. And it will be the basis of every covenant that God makes till we get grafted into this new covenant. But it's so foundational that you see that God had a plan. So what's, what's that seed? Well, I'll just give you, I know it's 12.05, just give me three minutes. 
Genesis, Genesis 2.5 is, is, is an important principle. So I, I always like to like, like, why did God use seed language? Why did he use seed language? Why did he say your seed? Uh, he he, he could have he described it in other ways. But <clears throat> it's interesting. You can see Christ. The book of Genesis is, if you had a word to put with the book of Genesis, it would be seed. Because you see this seed show up throughout Genesis. But I always look at where else is this mentioned near this text? And, and you know, uh, Michael Kulianos mentioned this at our conference, but day three of creation, what did God put in the earth? Seed-bearing vegetation. Interesting, it was on the third day. On the third day, it would sprout up. On the third day, he would say it's good. Why? Because in the Old Testament... The full plan of redemption is concealed, but it's revealed in Jesus. Genesis 2.5 is another moment of seed bearing, a seed bearing principle. Can you put up Genesis 2.5? Watch this. This, this. this is one of my favorite verses that speaks to uh, what is to come. It says, now no shrub of the field was yet in the earth and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. So, so there was no vegetation popping up from the earth. Are you following me? And it's, it's for two reasons. The Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth, nor was there a man to cultivate the ground. The Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. Now, we know in the natural, what this is saying is that God would have to send rain to the earth. Man would have to till the earth in order for those seeds to bear fruit. You following me? So the potential of the earth could only come from God initiating the earth by sending rain and creating man. But this, the plan of redemption is in here because you have God the Father sending rain, which rain represents God the what? Spirit. Now there was no man, God would make a first Adam, but eventually there would be a second one. And what would the second one do? He would cultivate the plan that God had originally set out, which would include this seed. Where was that seed? Passed throughout time. There's a number of layers to this, but what's my point? Here's where that that plan is cultivated. Uh, From from Genesis 4, Cain kills Abel, which is an interesting study of the seed. Um, Things go awry. He makes covenant with Noah. First time the seed shows up is through Noah. What's the covenant? I'm not going to destroy the earth. Again. Why is that good news? Because they didn't know what God was like at this point. He could have destroyed it. Then from Noah, it goes to who? Abraham. This is where it really begins. When he makes covenant with Abraham, which we'll look at next week, uh, he prophesies a nation to come. He prophesies land that they'll have. But it's all centered upon a seed that's within a man. Uh, That seed is passed through Sarah. They have who? Isaac. Isaac gives birth to Jacob. Jacob becomes Israel, gives birth to 12 sons. You have the nation of Israel. This plan of redemption, this seed would lead to captivity, Moses, Joshua, the judges, kings, the Davidic reign of David. Another covenant is made. All of this is pointing to the seed, which would be Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter three, I'm gonna end here. Galatians three, This is New Testament language connecting you to Genesis 3.15. 
Galatians 3, I believe it's in verse 15. Check this out. Galatians 3.15, brethren, I speak in terms of human relations, even though it is only a man's covenant. Yet when it has been ratified, no one sets it aside or adds conditions to it. Now, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. There's our language. He does not say, and to seeds, referring to many, but rather to one, and to your seed, that is Christ. This connects Genesis 3.15 to Galatians 3.15, that Christ was that seed. Christ was that seed. What I am saying is this, is that the law which came uh, 430 years later, that's after Abraham, does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise, the promise to Abraham. For if the inheritance is based on law, it is no longer based on a promise, but God has granted it to Abraham by means of a promise. This is the seed promise. Why the law then? It was added because of transgressions having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator until, until what? The seed would what? Come. There's a Maranatha cry. Until that seed would come to whom uh, the promise had been made. What's my point? Is Genesis 3, 15, there is a Maranatha cry in people looking for a redeemer to show up to deal with what's wrong. And the redeemer who showed up is Christ. But I want us to see that there's promises that we possess today scripturally for the future. And it's the seed of redemption that was like the work of salvation fulfilled by Christ, but we get to partner in understanding with Christ to see the days ahead, the plan of redemption fulfilled, which includes the promises to Abraham. It includes previous promises and future ones. We're gonna see them tie in. Why? Because ultimately, that seed, the enmity between uh, God, the enmity between Eve and Satan, it, it is not... Uh, put out until Revelation 20, verse 2. Look at this. Revelation 20, verse 2. You got me, Art? And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old. Where did we read about a serpent? Everyone look at me. Where did we read about a serpent? I want to tie Genesis to Revelation. I, I do not want the end times to be this taboo topic that we like get blinders over because I'm not an end times person. If you're a Bible person, you need to know what's coming. And listen, I, I, wanna, I want us just to see the Maranatha cry. We're looking back that he came. We're looking about it, what he's done in the midst of what is, but what's coming is that, that devil, that serpent of old, the devil, the Satan, he will be bound by who? By that seed that's no longer a seed. And he'll be bound for a thousand years, but after the thousand years, it tells us that he'll be locked up in a fiery prison for eternity. Meaning that plan of redemption is still playing out. And we get to partner with the Holy Spirit in the covenant that we've been given to cry, Maranatha, Lord, come. And it's based upon the holy huddle that we've been grafted into. This is beautiful news. 
but it's the plan of redemption that we collectively have been birthed in. So we need to know the gospel. We need to know why we're in right relationship with him. But we also need to get beyond ourselves and see what he's zealous about, what he's looking to, where this thing is going. And I want to try to do that as practically, tangibly, like simply as I can. In Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, which is phenomenal. Romans chapter 16, verse 20, it says, may the God of peace soon crush Satan under your what? (laughs) Which means we get to participate in it. Oh, Jesus. So this is the problem, but this is the problem that the plan of redemption addresses through the magnification of the work of the cross. But then we're born of an incorruptible what? Seed. That thing sets place in us. Why? Because Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. He's the first fruits. And it all points to him. So Jesus, give us eyes to hear, ears. Give us eyes to hear, yes, that too. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you're speaking to us today. Lord, you've ministered among us. It's been such a lovely morning. Um, we just put grace upon parents. I know we went long. But would you, would you give us a hunger, Lord, to study these things? Or would you put a grace on me to articulate them? But Lord, I pray that we can embrace your eternal purposes that, that are being fulfilled in your son, that point to your son, that are for your son. Awaken that in us, Lord. Take us deeper as a community in Jesus' name into these plans, into these purposes, I pray. Amen and amen.